0: Do you ever feel like a fraud? Especially as we're starting out in our businesses, it may feel a little bit disingenuous to come online and to talk about something that we have probably never had clients to help with this particular topic before. And it makes you feel like, well, why would anybody listen to me if I don't really have results to back it up? This is a very, very common feeling among new entrepreneurs, and I could come here and record an entire episode about how to get over imposter syndrome, but I want to tell you that is not this kind of episode. What I'm going to give you is a practical solution to not feel that way anymore and be able to grow your business in an amazing gradual way and stop feeling like you don't know what you're talking about. Hi, my name is Ina Coveney. I'm an online presence expert. And what you're experiencing right now is the companion episode to this week's interview with an amazing online coach. This week's episode was with Zach Spuckler. He is a Facebook ads master. He has had a digital courses teaching this and teaching about challenges and launches. He has a podcast called Heart, Soul, Hustle. He has, by every measure a successful entrepreneur. And he taught us something that was really, really valuable. I encourage you to go back and listen to that interview. But today in this companion episode, I'm going to teach you the three things that Zach is doing very right in his business and you should start doing too. And that practical solution that I had for you to get over imposter syndrome is actually number three on that list. So keep listening so that you can get that real gold nugget. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts while you're at the dentist's office in the waiting room. Just make sure you keep your eyes on the door so that you don't miss when they call your name and then go to your phone, go over to the review section and leave us a five-star review and say something nice. It really helps support the show. And thanks. This is the Global Phenomenon with Ina Kovani, the podcast where the self-made teach you to stop waiting to be discovered and prepare to be found. And before we get to the teaching, we're going to answer two of your questions. If you would like to submit a question for the podcast, go to theglobalphenomenonpodcast.com, dot submit your question, and I will answer it on the air. Today's first question comes from Abby at Abby Joy Studio. You can find her on Instagram at that handle Abby Joy Studio. Her question is. When you have a nonprofit, you have two target audiences, donors and members. How do you target your social media campaigns when you have two different audiences? This is a great question, because I actually did some consulting for a nonprofit that did uh, services to the community. So all of their social media was geared towards serving the community. They were um, advertising their services kind of on the side because they allowed people to borrow their equipment. They would go to different towns and record their town halls. And that was really how that company got to make their money so they can keep doing their great work. But because they were a community based and community focused organization, their social media couldn't be. Uh, advertising things so overtly, they couldn't advertise themselves as being for profit, as being capitalists, as being we want to make money. Therefore, you should buy our services. They had to be perceived as people who are in serve in service of the community. So they would post pictures of the last time that they went to record the this town's parade, or uh, videos from the last town hall meeting in this other town. So they would just serve the community. So what do you do if your business 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 is based on having a, a great image serving a population, but you make your money on the back end, right? You don't advertise overtly. What do you do then? So... This is what I recommend. And of course, it depends on the kind of business that you have. But you have to do some serious market research analysis. And it's not about what does the community want to see on my platforms or am, am I going to intermingle my message and dirty the waters on my Facebook page? Because at sometimes I'm going to be talking about community stuff and the other times I'm going to be advertising services. Don't do that. Do some serious market research on the people who buy your services, on those companies that you serve, that you lend your equipment to, that you do everything else. In the the case of Abby, do some research on your donors. Are they swiping through Facebook and clicking on things to buy things? Are they doing that? Is that how they donate? If the answer is no, then that's probably not the place you're going to want to reach them. Right? Where are your people, the ones who pay you, hang out? And where do they get their information on how to hire their next service? Or where they're going to, um, you know, how are they going to find these great causes to contribute to? Where do they find those right now? And what have they contributed to already? And how did they find those opportunities? So there's some market research that you need to do. There is no one answer that I can just give you that is just magically going to work. You got to figure out where your people hang out. In the case of my client, who had services for other towns, for other municipalities uh, that had a budget and they needed some uh, audiovisual help, the way that we framed it for her was, hey, are these people part of LinkedIn groups? Are they having their own board of director meetings? Like, where are they located? Where are they hanging out? Right? If there is no such place, it's time for you to create that place. And it's not creating a LinkedIn group for the sake of selling your products and services necessarily. It's creating a LinkedIn group or a Facebook group or wherever your people are, creating a community of like minded individuals who want to serve a particular purpose. In your case, Abby, is creating a community of donors. What do those donors want? Do they want to give you money? No, probably not. What they want to do is serve the community, maybe. They want to contribute to great causes, maybe. So you want to create a watering hole. You want to create a place where they're going to go and talk to other donors and talk to other people like, hey, what else have you guys contributed to? Um, What are some of the tax benefits? Hey, I have a question. If I'm donating this amount of money, what are the tax benefits in my area? Right. There are people out there that are looking for this information and you want to create that platform, that place where they're going to hang out and talk to each other. And that way you present yourself as the expert in this. So in your case, if this is a nonprofit, I would be creating a LinkedIn group that doesn't have necessarily the nonprofit's name, but somebody from the nonprofit is running that group and is gathering all these donors together. And it's not donors to the nonprofit necessarily. It's just people who are looking for opportunities to invest. People are looking for opportunities to donate. So you would be attracting them with content like, hey, join this group for high-level Donors. I mean, what do they call themselves? This is where the market research comes in, right? Do they call themselves angels, right? Coming from like angel investing. Do they call themselves um, yeah, uh, philanthropists, right? So create a LinkedIn group called the philanthropist world, philanthropists of the world, or philanthropists in uh, uh, who, who serve particular causes, right? Whatever your nonprofit is around, make it really specific to that. And then just advertise that group. Just say, hey, if you're a philanthropist in the area of art, this is the place for you. We talk all things donations. We talk all things tax benefits. We talk all things different opportunities to donate. And then you're positioning yourself as the expert in this area. Now people know that this organization exists because the moderator is from that organization. That moderator is providing a ton of value. And now you're creating an audience of people who just want to be there because they have a common goal. So... Think about it for your business. If you have different audiences, where can you create opportunities for them to gather that doesn't feel like they're being part of an infomercial, right? That they don't feel like they're being part of a business that is trying to group them together. They just feel like they're there as a community and you happen to be the moderator of it. I'm telling you, it's it works like magic. And that way you manage to segregate what you're supposed to be doing in the front end, which is looking great to donors, right? These are all the things we do for the community. You don't want to be like, hey, by the way, donate here, right? Or maybe not necessarily, right? Maybe you do sprinkle in there in your content. By the way, we're always looking for contributions and donations. Please click here and thank you very much. But that's not going to be the bulk of your message. And in the case of my client who was a nonprofit selling. Um, audiovisual services, she wasn't going to go and tell the community, hey, you can buy my services. Those were not their people. They needed to create a separate community for all of them to gather and to discuss how they're going to meet the challenges of the new town halls that are virtual, right? And now you are the expert and you can continue to serve them Without muddying the waters for the rest of your social media presence. I really hope this helps. I hope that it helps for anybody who has two different audiences and to help you reframe what are your social media accounts for versus the money that you're making in the back end, how you can create that kind of effect, the social media effect, but in a different way. I hope that was helpful. Our next question comes from Aaron. Davalos at HealthyVibesWithAaronDavalos.com. Her question is, I've got my website and Facebook page, and I've started to do some small group coaching. How do I expand beyond my family and friends to broaden my client base? This is a great question. There are a few ways to do this, Aaron. Uh, The first way is to start to get those testimonials from the people that you're currently serving and to start putting them out there online. All right. You should have a social media machine that is constantly searching for that kind of client, that same kind of client. So when you talk about the benefits of what you do, even if it's just to your friends on Facebook, right? Go to your Facebook profile on the on the profile page, on your newsfeed and say, I just helped this client achieve this goal. Or this is what my client had to say about us working together. You start to create that that experience on the internet that you are an expert at what you do. So number one is just use your testimonials. Don't discard people who you're serving already as, Hey, I, they already signed up for my services therefore I need to go find some of some other new people, look at them and say, all right, guys, Let's get you from point A to point B. Let's get you a little bit of progress. And will you write me a testimonial? So number one, use your testimonials and put them everywhere. So people know what you do. People are aware of what you do. That will only take care of people who are searching through their social media, browsing through their social media, and they see that, and they will feel compelled to contact you. So you could have a call to action in there too. They'll feel compelled to contact you and say, Can you help me with that too? I feel like that's what I need. But that is a really hard thing to do when you have a small audience, to rely on people coming to you. So you have to start going to them, a gr- a great way, a win-win way to do this is to identify other coaches in your in your space who don't offer exactly the same thing that you do, right? You don't ha- you, you don't have overlapping offers, but you have similar audiences. So, for example, if you serve uh, women who are in their fifties and they're looking for a better to feel better about themselves, well, maybe they're also investing in relationship coaching. Maybe they're also investing in entrepreneurship, right? Empty nesters who want to do something new. Uh, Maybe they're also investing in supplements, right? There's a million MLMs out there who make a great business with people who are just looking for feeling better about themselves. And these are all services that you don't provide. So you can always reach out to people who, ha- who are gatekeepers for those communities and say, hey, I would love to serve your audience by giving them a lesson about A, B, and C on how to feel better about themselves. Do you think they would go for it? Is that something they would like? Because I would love to do a trade. My people right? And you don't have to have huge audiences for this, by the way. Just the exposure, especially with other people who have smaller audiences, that's going to keep the the ball moving, right? So you can tell them, hey, by the way, and you can all, you're very welcome to come to my group and talk a little bit about how to feel better through supplements. I think that would be great. So start to think about complementary services to what you do that are tackling the same audiences, targeting the same audiences, and start to collaborate. The more you do this, the more traction you're going to get, the more people you're going to get into your mailing list, into your group, and that audience is going to start to fill up. Once that audience starts to grow, right? Actually, even if it hasn't started growing, once you start to get a few people, you start to do personal reach out and you consider those leads, right? People who came into your group, that's a lead contact them, reach out and say, thank you so much for coming to the group. What did you expect to get out of it? Start a conversation, get to know their challenges and vet them. Would they be an ideal client for me? And make an extension, uh, uh, extend an invitation and say, would you like to talk to see if there's any way that I can help you with this? And that's how you start to get yourself on sales calls. The more sales calls you have, the more people you will sign. So, Instead of focusing on doing a big launch, which really is, is much more impactful, is much easier to do when you have a large audience, for you is going to be collecting a list of leads and then going after them, all right? So that is really the best way to start growing your audience, creating relationships and partnerships with other people or collaborations. I won't say partnerships because it's something completely different, but collaborate, with other people who are targeting the same audience and offer something they don't offer already, start to trade audiences, start to get some exposure, and start to pitch yourself to podcasts, right? Podcasts, especially people who are just looking for guests to feature, they're not going to be asking you, hey, how many people do you have in your audience, right? Uh, Only the big podcasts will care about really growing their numbers in that way. You can very definitely and easily get featured on a podcast just by doing a collaboration. So right there, I've given you just A few of the things, I kind of sprinkled them all in there, a few of the things, but in order of progression, the first step is to continue to serve your current audience and get some results, get some testimonials so you can start touting about them online. The next step is going to be to talk about those testimonials, but in somebody else's audience. So start to collaborate with other people with similar audiences, but different offers. And the next step is once you start to get people in. Engage with them and they become leads for you. And it's up to you to go and close them. It's definitely going to help you get more people in other than your family and friends. All right, that's it for today's questions. If you have a question for me, go to theglobalphenomenonpodcast.com. Ask your question and I will answer it on the air. Are you ready for this week's teaching? More after this little sound. All right, ready to learn what are the three things that Zach Spuckler is doing very right in his business and you should be doing right now too? Why don't we get started with number one, which is the most important one. After you listen to this, you can close the podcast if you want. Although I'd appreciate it if you didn't because the other two are pretty, pretty awesome. But this is what you need to walk away knowing. He puts his vision for his life in front of him. And he even told us that vision for his life changes all the time. But what he knows about himself is that he wants to fulfill his full potential and he wants to make the money that he deserves so that he can continue to help people and live the life he wants. He knows he will never get that far. He will never get that kind of life where he does what he loves and he makes as much money as he wants working for somebody else. So every time something fails, every time something flops, he dusts himself up the next day and says, "Okay." okay, how are we going to learn and make it better? That's his philosophy. So if you learn nothing else, it is to hold a vision for your life in front of you. I'm going to tell you on a personal note, when I left corporate and I started to get a taste and I started to see examples of the online coaching world and how It it became so clear and so possible for me to enter that world and to provide the value that I knew that I had in me, to be able to make this, this that I'm doing right now, recording this podcast and recording these videos and creating my little YouTube studio in my office, right? Like creating all of this as part of my job, the, the life that I created for myself. I could never go back to work in corporate. And I have had opportunities. I've had people contact me back from corporate saying, I feel like we need you. I feel like this would be a great fit for you. Why don't you come and talk to us? And I'm like, I'm sorry, but it doesn't match the vision that I have for myself. So you gotta know what that vision is in order to make decisions in your life going forward. And this is something that I always tell my people is that what would happen If an irresistible offer for a job came knocking on your door, would you take it? And if the answer is yes, then probably entrepreneurship is not going to be the thing that you're going to be doing forever. Why do I say that? Because you've just realized that your values don't lie where you thought they did right? You just realize that your values are, I want to have a, a good and comfortable life and I want to work for people who value me, which is there's nothing wrong with that, right? But when you enter entrepreneurship, it's the same way as when you enter corporate, right? Like enter corporate and have the kind of career that you want. When you come to entrepreneurship, you got to know that the the going gets hard, That it gets hard, that you run out of money, that you try different things that are not going to work, that you invest in programs that will flop on you, that you will have um, tried to acquire clients in some way. You will have had a launch that will fail. These things are going to happen. But if you continue to keep going, if you give yourself that grit and you say, I don't want to work for anybody else ever. I just want to do this right i want to come here and i wanted to to i want to break through i want to be able to make that sweet money so that i can live more of a life of freedom like if that's what you really want that is how you're going to make decisions from this point forward and you're not going to let anybody tell you otherwise or try to lure you into other positions that you guys may be more profitable right now because when you start your business it's not a fire hose of money. Even John Lee Dumas, the first guest we had on this podcast, he made about $29,000 in his first year. The next year was a different story, but you got to understand that things are going to get tough. And the thing that keeps, keeps Zach Spuckler going are his vision and his grit and his ability to learn and keep pivoting and keep trying something new. But he would never be able to do that if he wasn't clear on what he wants out of his life. So before we move on to number two, you got to have this question answered for yourself. What do you want? Let's go to number two. Number two, he is innovating in his industry. He's not just being a copycat. He's not doing what everybody else is doing. While everybody else was going and creating online courses and creating an evergreen machine, he went and I d- did that and said, I'm going to try something new. I am just all for trying something that I've, I've never seen done before. I'm going to go to an agency model and shut down the digital courses. That was a really risky move, but it felt really right to him at the time. And then after he did the agency for two years, he said, you know what? I learned my lesson of why I wasn't 100% happy before, even though he told you things were fine, he wasn't 100% happy with the setup. So he said, I've learned enough. I want to try this again. I want to create those digital courses again. And this time I'm going to do some things differently. So he is not just out there following the pack. He's looking at his own desires, his own boundaries, and saying, I'm going to create the life that is going to feel really good for me. And I'm going to tell you, I told him this at the end when we finished recording, that I know that he's going to be coming up with a brand new way for online coaches to do their business in a way that is going to be, is going to feel even better than it does now because he's listening to his gut. So my lesson for you is to... Learn from people who have been there, but that's the extent of it. Learn from them so that you can apply it to your own life in your own way, with your own perspective and the way that you want your life to be led. So unless you're seeing someplace that something is definitely not going to work, even then I might have an argument. It might actually work for you. So keep an open mind. And keep an innovative mind. Do whatever feels right to you in the way that you want to do it. Don't just subscribe to everybody else's idea of what a successful business is. Because it might not be the thing that lets you break through. It might be that thing that nobody else is doing. And that's something that Zach has mastered and I can't wait to see his journey. So number three is that he builds businesses based on experience, and results. This is a really important one because I feel like we all want to be discovered one day. We all want for something to drastically change overnight in terms of how many people follow us, in terms of how much money we make. We're just waiting for that moment where the snowball has reached the peak and now it's Sprinting down the other side of the mountain. We're all waiting for that moment. When is that moment that it felt like things just started to go on rails? I know I mix like five different metaphors in there, but when was that moment, right? We're all waiting for that. Well, Zach, he's like, no, it doesn't work that way. You don't skip ahead 10 years of experience. You start where you are and you start to roll that snowball to get it bigger and bigger and bigger. And from his perspective, you never actually get to the top of the peak of the mountain. You just keep rolling that snowball up the hill. There isn't a point in time where you feel like, oh, I can breathe now. He tells you right now, he's had multiple successful seven figure businesses and he'll tell you, I work all the time because I want to work. This is not easy. It is not something that just happens. It's something that you work for. So when you are building your business, Remember, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to present yourself as the perfect person who knows it all out there. Because that is just, it's just going to come off as disingenuous, right? And and not only to people watching you, but to yourself. You are going to feel more of a fraud than we already all do, right? You kind of like doing that to yourself. But when you work from experience and results, you can guarantee that, hey, this worked for me, I bet I can make it work for you, right? That's what I have done in my business. I made websites by the hour and I created a process to not fall into the same pitfalls that I did again. And now I can promise results with my methods, with my BeFound system. I know that it works to get people's websites out on time and in the perfect way that they want them. I know that because I have the experience backing it up. So think about your experience. Think about what you can back up and what you can help other people with and build on that. And the more results you get, the more you can add to your list of, to your inventory of things that you can offer. But that is one thing that he's doing absolutely right. So here are his three things. Number one, everything he does is because he has a great vision for what he wants for his life in front of him. Number two, he's innovating, not just copycatting. And number three, he builds his business on experience and results. And you can never go wrong with that. All right. How did that feel? Did you walk away with some new information, new steps that you can use in your business? I really hope so. So don't forget to hit subscribe because next week on the next episode, we are talking to Melissa Farr. She has grown an incredible community and our conversation actually took a turn that I didn't expect. So definitely come ready for some vulnerability from this amazing woman who's going to tell you what are the things on her mind after having gone through 2020 in her online coaching business. Don't miss it, hit subscribe. And also, if you want to be featured on the questions, if you want your question to be answered on the air, I want you to go to theglobalphenomenonpodcast.com and submit your question there. I will answer it on the air. And I really hope that you have a wonderful rest of your week and I'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to The Global Phenomenon with Ina Koveni. Join the conversation inside the Facebook group at theglobalphenomenon.com slash Facebook. Listen to new interviews every Monday and learn with a companion episode every Thursday. This podcast was created by Ina Coveney, music by Jared LaBelle, and this was the voice of Kip Clark.